And this continues for three days. Uh, where everywhere that Tenant goes, Marco and Tobias are there to fucking torment him as this little dog. <laughs> and <laughs> it's very good. Um, and like Marco can tell that it's getting to him because like my dog senses could tell he wanted to hit me. Could tell by the way his pulse went through the roof when he caught sight of me, by the way his breathing became short, clipped, and tense, the way his teeth ground together like a bowl full of marbles. <laughs> Mostly mm. I could tell by his smell. Too subtle. Uh, it wasn't a smell a human could detect, too subtle, but this aroma, a combination of fear and total hatred, was a magnet to my nostrils. It fed me. It inspired me. Like a shot of adrenaline, it made me jump high enough to reach his tie, bite hard enough to rip even through his leather jeans, run fast enough to catch him no matter how much of a head start he got. And I loved every second of it. Let's face it, everything messed up about my life could be blamed on the Yerks. My mom, my dad's misery, now the complication of his new girlfriend. For months, my friends and I have been living in fear. Our lives changed forever by this invasion, facing ridiculous odds. The threat of death or capture always there, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We'd experience things no person should ever have to experience. War and devastation, betrayal and defeat, and all the skin-crawly horrors of morphing. Win or lose, I'll have nightmares for the rest of my life. Now, unexpectedly, it was payback time. Not some morally troublesome action that might result in serious injury or even death, some violence that would eat away at me. This was clean. This was pure. I had a yerk in my poodle sights, and he was going to suffer. <laughs> was I taking a sad sadistic pleasure in it all? Yes, I was. <laughs> uh, he needs yes. therapy. Just be yep. a tiny dog tormenting somebody you know to be the bad guy Yep, in a way Marco that doesn't cause injury. <laughs> Marco can have a little bit of berserk as a treat. <laughs> Don't you just want to go ape shit? <laughs> Aren't you tired of being nice all the time? <laughs> uh, and before the big payoff of this mission because this is all a lead up to the the actual plan c this is all priming tenant to rage at even the mere sight of this poodle <laughs> um uh but sentence. on yeah <laughs> just animorphs thinks um <laughs> um but dinner before the big mission uh, Marco has dinner with his dad, who has made fried chicken, and his dad is extremely jumpy. And Marco immediately picks up on this. Uh, and he's trying to play it off, like, with jokes, like he does. Um, and Peter's just like, um, Marco, I was hoping we could talk. Um, And begins this talk with, uh, you know, I loved your mom very much. And Marco immediately, like, can't breathe. Um, he paused. He wanted me to say something. He wanted me to make this easier for him. I should have, but I didn't. 
I heard Cassie in my head telling me to deal with what is. No, I didn't like the is. The is was about to get worse. Losing her was so hard for the both of us, but she's been gone over two years now, and... And... And she's not coming back. He wiped tears from his cheeks. I hated him right then. How dare he cry? Who was he to cry? He was betraying her. He was setting her aside, consigning her to the past. He was killing her. That's what he was doing. I, we, can't spend the rest of our lives grieving for her. And for the first time since she died, I've actually been happy. Nora and I, he paused. I think it's what your mom would have wanted. She would have wanted us to move on with our lives, to be happy. Doesn't that make sense? No. No, because she was my mom. She was his wife. So no, dad. No, cut out the weepy crap. Cut out the self-pity. No, she's my mom. I didn't say anything. What could I say? I knew I was wrong. Knew I was being unfair, and I didn't care. But I couldn't say anything. Nora and I have been talking about getting married, Marco. But we won't do it without you, okay? Yeah? And what if it's not okay, I said. I could hardly hear my own voice. He sighed. His eyes turned vacant, distant, the way they'd looked for a large part of the past two years. I hadn't missed that look. I hadn't missed it at all. Marco, we're a team, you and I. We've been through a lot together. If you say no, I'll accept that. Fine. So it was on me. Great. Typical. Yeah. Why not? I'll decide if my dad is happy or not, if my mom is still my mom. I'll decide if she lives or if she dies so that I, the great Marco, the great cold-blooded Marco, can prove how tough I am by leading her into a trap, setting her up. I felt pain. I was digging my fingernails into the side of my head. I was going to explode. Some artery in my head was going to blow apart. It was too much. Way too much. I'm out of here, I said. I got up and ran for the door. Peter, you're the adult in this situation. It does feel a lot like it's one of those ones just like, I don't want to feel bad about this. So I need you to sign off on it. Yeah. And I I appreciate the other just like, I don't want, like, you are the most important person in my life. Mm -hmm. So if you object to this, then it isn't going to happen. I do think that is fair, but to phrase it like that, mm -hmm. it puts, uh, as Marco read it, the emotional burden then goes on to Marco, mm -hmm. who is always the one carrying the emotional burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially combined... Go ahead. Mm, go on. I was just say, And he, does, he still doesn't say no. Mm-hmm. To his dad, he's just like, I need to leave. Mm -hmm. It's the the fact that it is abundantly clear here that the choice isn't between does his father marry Nor or not. Like, th this is more than just a question of like marriage. This is a question of like. Are you okay with this relationship getting very serious? Like, are you okay with that? And the choice isn't, like, be okay with it or, you know, I'll just stop dating and we'll go back to the way it was. It's be okay with it or I'll stop dating her 
and we go back to the way it was before, like right after your mother died. Like the, the comparison is drawn to not just a couple of months ago before his dad had met Nora, but after Marco, after, after his dad had been pulled out of that depression. Like that's, that's not the choice. It's like, that is so much. Yeah. Like, of, of course, Marco isn't going to say no when that's on the line, right? Like, of yeah. course he isn't. And I don't think Peter means to do that. I don't think he's doing it on purpose to be manipulative. Uh, agree. But, like, Peter, <laughs> you're the adult in this situation. Please act like an adult. You don't have to be trying. It doesn't have to be your intent to still be harmful. Exactly. Or for something to be harmful, even if you aren't intending it to be as such. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, also, I want to draw attention to uh, Marco watching his dad cry and being, like, extremely angry at his dad for betraying his mom, for setting her aside, for killing her. That's that's projection, buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also, like, it's not said as such, but reading it, it feels like, why do you get to cry? I want to cry. Yeah. Because we've only seen Marco cry a couple of times, and it mm -hmm. was in that last book. Mm-hmm. And there is, like, they're just like, why are you the one getting to do that? Why do you get to grieve like this? For, yep. for you, she's been gone two years. Mm -hmm. For Marco, it's like she's both died all over again and also, but has she? Mm -hmm. And the guilt of knowing that it was him. Yeah. Or he blames himself for his part in it mm -hmm. more than he blames anybody else's. Because he could be resenting someone else in the group for that. Like, he's not the one that pushed her. Right. Or caused her to fall. He was going to. Yes. And I think he was I ready think, to. Yeah. I think with Marco, because of because of the way he talks about the way that he thinks, um, like the way that he hates himself for being able to see the clear line. It makes me think that he's the kind of person that doesn't necessarily draw a distinction between intention and action. Yeah, thinking it is just as bad as doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I um, feel that as, as somebody that, like, as part and parcel of, like, depression and, like, intrusive thoughts, like, I have a lot of instances in my life where I've had really upsetting thoughts or been thoughts on very cruel Mm -hmm. And then I have had the follow-up thought of, that's awful, I don't want to do that, I don't want to think like that. Mm -hmm. But Marco, even if he has, like, a, as they're called in uh, Discworld books, second thoughts and mm -hmm. third thoughts, it doesn't matter. Because, again, it's a very, for all his maturity and insight and intelligence, it's still a very childlike interpretation of it yeah i thought the thing so i am bad mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah. I was ready to do the thing, so I am a monster. Mm-hmm. And yeah. while it's, I suppose it's one thing to recognise, I was thinking a shitty thing, and I do not like that I am the person that was ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And then go, well, so it doesn't matter if I didn't do it or not, because I was ready to. Mm-hmm. But there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for Marco, it's especially hard because it's not that he was ready to do the thing and then he made the choice not to. It's he was ready was to do the thing, him. and yeah, exactly. Uh, he was stopped so, from doing the thing. It's easier to be mad at yourself than mad at your best friend, who you need to listen to, who is your leader, who. Mm-hmm has to keep you all alive mm-hmm. much easier to be mad at yourself yeah than at yeah. the person who actually did the thing at the person who took your choice away from you can you tell i'm hung up on it <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly compelling but the way jake views agency is super compelling and deeply upsetting uh-huh it sure is. Like, hmm. I don't like the, they're thinking about the greater good there, Jake. And we talked about it, I was at the last book or the book before, mm-hmm. about my distinction about, oh, Jake and Tobias. And like, mm-hmm. no, Jake, making it so Tobias volunteers is not better than asking him to do it, actually. Mm-hmm. My guy. <laughs> yep. As I said, and this comes up with a lot of them. It's like they have these... Because they haven't got, as much as they're going through awful things, they haven't got the life experience, the emotional maturity to think about things more compli- in a more complicated way. Mm-hmm. They have that. It feels dismissive to call it reductionist. So I do. it is like a childlike thing, just like, oh, well, that's how the situation seems to be and I don't have any reason to maybe believe otherwise. Yeah. Because I haven't learned otherwise. Yeah. Because there hasn't been the time to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just sad about these children, guys. Yep. Just some children doing their best. And like when Marco was talking earlier about the um, the shit they're all going through, mm-hmm. and he says Jake's a dumb jock. Who's got mm-hmm. to play General Eisenhower? Like, and Jake, we can't tell the tone. Go, hey, I'm not dumb. Um, there is comfort in not being the one who has to make the choices, and that's I feel like what Marco meant. Mm-hmm. But he was just dressing it up in like mm-hmm. pl- the sort of playful banter he and Jake always have. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, no, I miss my friend who didn't want to take charge and who couldn't make the basketball team because now you're this. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to think about what that's done to you because I can see how you've changed. They're all victims of this war and the changes they're going through. War bad, guys. (laughs) 
that <laughs> that's the thesis statement. And like every book in all these wonderful little upsetting ways, Ka and the ghost writers just like to consistently like underline the point. Yep. It, you, like you've told talked to me now about how they're like right wing animorphs fans and animals fans with conservative values and i don't know how can you can come away from reading these books and have those kinds of beliefs i don't understand how they do but then i suppose pointing out like red pillars in the matrix movies like mm-hmm. oh you missed the point big time <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's Maybe not willfully, but willfully misunderstanding the source material, mm. like, uh, in, in a way that just completely misrepresents it. Mm. Um, like, it, it's, yeah, it's really bizarre to me because, n- not because, like, someone read the books and just, like, didn't get the message. Or read the books and it like they didn't have an impact on them. I can understand all of that, obviously, right? But it's mm. it's reading the books and considering yourself like a huge fan of the books, of like being a huge proponent for them, of making content, uh analyzing it, quote unquote analyzing it, uh, or like writing your own uh uh fan fiction of because the person that i'm thinking of specifically has written fan fiction that's like after the series like continuing the series um and it's just like how how specifically do you read this series and enjoy it so much that you're still thinking about it 20 years after it came out and miss the point so completely. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because the, the anti-war sentiment fucking oozes out of the pores of the series. Wow. Uh, like, uh, but like people read these books and they're like, ah, yes. These are, this is, this is a good kind of war story where the heroes like beat the enemies and everything works out. And it's like, <laughs> guys, <laughs> are we, are we reading the same books? I don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah. Uh, so we cut to plan C. They meet on the roof of the TV studio. Um, and Jake's like, all right, here's the plan. Uh, he and Axe are going to the control booth. Marco is going to be the harasser, as usual. Um, Cassie and Rachel are in the studio as backup. Tobias is outside as lookout. Um, and keeping an eye on the sh- crew's pre-show meeting. And everyone looks at Marco, waiting for him to make a joke. And Marco doesn't make a joke. Uh, and as we have seen before, when someone doesn't fulfill their role in the group, everyone is fucking weirded out by it. 
Um, like Rachel explicitly says, is something wrong, Marco? Um, and Marco's like, what could possibly be wrong? Cassie gives him a look, but doesn't say anything about it. <laughs> Just like making sure that he knows that she knows. Um, they get into the building as flies. They find places to demorph and get to their respective spots. Um, uh, basically, Tennant is sitting on the set of the studio alone. Um, likes to spend a few minutes before his show alone, apparently, uh, while like the rest of the crew has a pre-show meeting. Um, why he's not included in the pre-show meeting, who the fuck knows. Um, but this is their opportunity to essentially harass Tennant until he breaks and he thinks that he is alone and safe in being alone enough to actually act out against Marco. And then they're going to turn the cameras on and catch it on film to then spread so that he's discredited. Um, oh, also the network executive is here, the dude from UPN. Um, but he is also in the pre-show meeting. Uh, and so they morph. Cassie and Rachel both morph wolf because they're firepower while being relatively small. Um, Rachel is not happy about this. Rachel, Rachel wants to be an elephant and just stomp everything. Uh, just like, I just wish, why can't I be the bear? I hate that there's not enough room to be a bear. Well, if I'm going to be small, I guess a wolf is fine. <laughs> Which is just fun on the back of the last book where she was just like, now the wolf. <laughs> if you really want firepower, you go for the grizzly. <laughs> uh, and uh, Tobias, or, Tobias is keeping watch. Jake and Axe get into the control room just fine. Axe sets up for the broadcast. Um, I love the little nerdy moment that Axe has getting ready for the TV and like it's showtime kind of deal. Um, boy loves TV. Boy loves TV. We love him for it. Uh, and Marco begins to morph the poodle, except that halfway to his morph of the poodle, he also morphs polar bear. Uh, he is the Pooh Bear. <laughs> uh, and the polar bear instincts are what kick in. Uh, combined with a bit of the uh kind of intensity of the poodle's instincts uh, that we have seen thus far. Uh, he sees the two wolves and is like, mm, that's not prey. I don't want to fuck with that. But <laughs> there's someone on the other side of this wall. I can hear them. And so he Maybe just... Maybe it's a seal. <laughs> Maybe it's a seal. And he just bursts through the wall. Kool-Aid man through the wall. 800 pounds of hyperactive poodle. <laughs> Just crosses 15 feet in seconds. Cassie's <laughs> like, Jake, Marco's lost it. What do you mean he's... She means he blew another morph and now he's a poodle the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> uh, and he chases the... He chases Tenet the fuck down. Like, he corners him easily um 
Mm. And and they're trying to get Marco to focus. Like Cassie's like, you're gonna kill him. And I'm like, why not? He's a yerk. He's a seal yerk. <laughs> um and Marco is trying to get control of himself. Mm-hmm. Um I do appreciate that none of the crew appear have appeared. They're just like staying the fuck away from this. <laughs> um Cassie is just trying to calmly like talk him down. Uh, Jake's keeping everybody back. Rachel's like, I'm not going anywhere near him. If I was in Grizzly Morph, sure. Which is just, mm. <laughs> And then acts calmly as if nothing weird's happening. I'm ready for the broadcast. Um, <laughs> and Cassie is still trying to talk Marco down. Um, like, talk to me. We're your friends. Talk to us. Talk to me. And Jake's just like, talk my butt. Marco, cope now. That's an order. And it works. Mm-hmm. It snaps, or it's like a bucket of ice water, is how it's described. He's like waking up from a dream, but it's both uh, yeah, fast and painful, But and he's slowly grasping back control. And Cassie is trying to talk to Jake. Like, I know he's going through some bad stuff. He's stressed, his dad is. Cassie, you know I love you and admire you, but be quiet. And I'm just here like, oh, fucking <laughs> Rage button press. You listen to me, Marco. We have zero time for your self-pity. I don't care what your problems are. You deal with this right now. And it's brutal. And it's kind of what Marco needs to hear in that moment. And unfortunately, because this is a serialized series where they had to kick a book out every month, we don't see a ramification of Jake talking to his best friend like that and telling his girlfriend to shut up. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, he gets control of the morph, and it isn't that he goes back to human. He's able just to get full poodle. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cassie does. Yeah, Cassie does push back, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. She's like, "That's not exactly enlightened behavior, Jake." If he's having stress, Cassie, he's not you. He's not Rachel. He's not even me. He's Marco. What he needs to do is pull his head out of his rear end and remember what he always says. What I always say, what was he talking about? Life is either tragedy or comedy. Usually it's your choice. You can whine or you can laugh. I laughed. Laughed in recognition. Oh yeah, I do say that. I was completely poodle. <laughs> Which is just a fucking sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, good job, Marco. And meanwhile, Ten is like, oh, this is now a toy poodle. Oh, it's that <laughs> toy poodle. And Marco is like running now. Um, and the fear is gone. And Tennant is just pissed. Mm-hmm. It's like, you made a mistake. You should have killed me when you had the chance. I will not show you such mercy. And Jake's like, get ready, Axe. And Tennant grabs hold of an electrical cord, ripping it out of the wall. And the stage lights attached and starts using it like a whip. And extension cords are nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jake just like, yeah, Marco, you need to get on stage. Um, and yeah, get, we just need to get the picture, then we'll get you out of there. And it's just like, yeah, okay, stay there, Marco. Get him right into camera range. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> holy shit, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco does get hit with the cord once um, and they're just like okay the crew is coming we need to do this now um, and Tennant grabs hold of Marco by the scruff oh no it's not by the scruff it's described as by the neck 
um, and tries to do to Marco what he did before when he was in the bird morph. Um, and then Axe clearly, who has been watching the TV, uh, goes live with the transmission. And we have a, here's Marco. And it's like, Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stage is bathed in light. Um, but uh, because he's being strangled, um, Marco is passing, is on the verge of passing out. Meanwhile, Tennant's just screaming, die and light, die. <clears throat> um, you know, as you do. Uh, and the crew are there just like, what are you doing? Um, and they're like, there are do- why are there dogs here? And um, there is clearly another yerk there because somebody hisses like about there being andalites there. Meanwhile, Tennant's still screaming like, die, you filthy mutt, die. Maybe the director's like, what do you mean we're on the air? Cut the feed. And then I'll squeeze your guts out through your ears. Like, just. Yep. Yep. Um, but the crew swarm tenant and get his hands off of Marco. Um, and then this is where Cassie and Rachel sort of intervene and people are like, oh yeah, no, those are dogs. Those are wolves. <laughs> uh, the UPN guy is like, this is madness. You want to put this lunatic on air? Try Fox. I'm not interested, which is, <laughs> we appreciate a dig at Fox. Um, and Tennant is just, oh, should I say, the controller is just, the Yark is just starting to pull shit together. Just like, it's all just a misunderstanding. Um, oh, this sucks because I forgot to mention uh, Marco's idea for a pitch for a Star Trek show because he was like, maybe I could talk to the uh, executive about it. And they're like, you're going to be a poodle. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the plan works. They've done it. Yep. Yay. Yep. yep. Uh, and we cut to a celebration. In fact, a, a wedding. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like two weeks. Yeah, two weeks and some number of days later. Um, I do love the, um, Peter, for whatever reason, maybe guilt, but has let Marco bring all of the animorphs uh-huh. to this. Including Axe, who, yep. yes, Peter has met, and it was brilliant. <laughs> um, but they're there just like, and Axe is like very pleased about the weather. Um, and he's just, he's talking, he's trying to do the talking about the weather thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just adorable. Um, it is. And um, Axe, yes, I can't stop that, please. Oh, stop that, please. Uh, and device like, come on, Mark. He's practicing his small talk. We practiced, we spent hours on it. Um, <laughs> which is just the notion of that is precious. It is. Um, it's so good. Yeah. But Axe, like, yeah, thank you for inviting me. And it's my pleasure, Axe, man. Do not go near the buffet table. <laughs> How do you define near? He's <laughs> <laughs> just Axe, Axe, I'm telling you, no food. Hmm. It really was a lovely wedding. Yeah, I agree. But I can't believe Rachel cried. Hey, lots of people cry at weddings. Yeah, I just didn't know that you had actual tear ducts, Rachel. <laughs> um, 
There's a lot of things you don't know about me, Marco. And she seems almost nice, like she's being nice. He thinks her tone almost seems nice. It's the tux, isn't it? That's why you're being nice. The tux gives me a whole new look. Very Sean Connery. Very Pierce Brosnan. Don't, Tobias Wand. I have no choice. I have to say it. Wand. James Bond. Just Because if you're a 13-year-old boy wearing a tux for the first time, why wouldn't you? Like, mm-hmm. I can understand this. Um, but yeah, Tennant is gone. He's in the wind. Um, yeah. But and... uh, so yeah, and Marco covers what's happened in the interim um, and how it'd been after a couple of days um, he's thought about what his dad had said about moving on with their lives. <laughs> um, but mostly I remembered what I'd always believed, what my mum taught me, that while some things are just plain awful, most things in life can either be seen as tragic or comic. And if it's your tr- and it's your choice. Is life a long, tiresome slog from sadness to regret to guilt to resentment to self-pity? Or is life weird, outrageous, bizarre, ironic, and just stupid? Gotta go with stupid. It's not the easy way out. Self-pity is the easiest thing in the world. Finding the humour, the irony, the slight justification for a skewed, sceptical optimism, that's tough. Anyway, the past was over and done with. My mum, Vissa One, I had to set that aside and think about my dad and me. Time to get on with my life. Goodbye, dream. Hello, Euclid. So he talked to his dad and said the marriage was okay. And he gets to act as his dad's best man. You can fill in your own joke. Rachel filled in several, <laughs> which is a great detail. And Nora uh, starts moving into the house the day after the wedding. Um, it's established that he's not going to call a mum because he has a mum. That's all he'll ever have, regardless of if she's alive or not. The dog has moved in too. I don't mind Nora. I could see we'd maybe get along okay. I still hated the dog. <laughs> and so things seem all right. Um, he gets home from school and he hears the uh, piano. He hears the phone ring. Rings more often now with Nora around because she gets calls from parents asking why their kids are flunking math. I decided not to answer. Let the machine get it. And then I heard her voice. Marco, if you're there, pick up. My mother. To be continued in Visa. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, once you make the decision to do a thing, of course, a spanner mm-hmm. has to be thrown into the works. Yes, that's drama, baby. Yep. Needless to say, I'm very excited to read Visa. Visa is so much. Like, there, there is... There's so much to unpack in Visser. Holy shit. Uh, like, We're not doing that for how long? What? <laughs> God damn it. We should reschedule. I mean, we can if you want. <laughs> we'll talk about that after. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that after. <laughs> but yeah, it's... This book, I think... So my memory was that this book was much more interleaved with Visser than it is, as opposed to, like, being left off here and then to be continued in Visser. But, like, what what we see in Visser doesn't pick up here. It picks up before this, and this happens somewhere, like, two-thirds into the book. Um, 
So like, that's why the idea of them being concurrent and interleaved came from. Mm. Um, but I thought this book had more of Visser's events in it, which it doesn't. Sure. Um, but it's, this book is just very interesting to me. Um, and, you know, I think part of the, part of the, the conflict between the silliness and the heaviness of what Marco's dealing with, I think must be on purpose. Yeah. Not be, not because, uh, like just to insert some levity into the situation. <laughs> uh, but to, like, to go along with this theme of finding the, finding the, the comedy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I do, I do like that about it. I don't find the, the conflict between the two things quite as jarring as I think you did. Um, but I feel like for me, now you've said that I can, I can see it and appreciate mm -hmm. it. I feel like maybe the balance isn't quite right. Yeah. Because I do like the two through lines of the book. Mm -hmm. I just feel like rather than it complementing each other to be that illustration, it feels like it bumps up against itself yeah. more than it's maybe meaning to. Yeah, they don't mesh quite well enough. It it definitely seems in many parts that it's like, okay, we're going to put the heavy stuff aside and just do the silly, as opposed to yeah. like, actually. If, yeah, like it's almost like a bit whiplashy. Like, mm -hmm. there's not enough, like active like moving from one to the other it's just like okay we were doing this and now we're doing this yes um yeah um but overall i like what i i like this kind of uh i like it as a like transitionary book for marco's characterization of like, I think if we had just jumped straight into what happens with Visser, Visser mm. wouldn't hit as hard if we didn't have like him struggling with it here. Yeah. Um, and you know, I like that we get the the kind of three different ways that he and the people around him tell him to like deal with his problems. Like we have Cassie, you know, dealing with what things are and not how they, how he wishes they were and like being compassionate and basically doing, doing the work in a way that would result maybe in long-term healing as opposed to, uh, just short-term getting by versus mm -hmm. Jake's like, I don't care what the fuck your problems are. You need to deal with this right now and be mm -hmm. a good little soldier. Um, which yeah one is therapy one is slapping yeah. a band-aid on it yeah um which works for marco in the moment because marco mm. does have a very very intense sense of duty yeah. um and especially to jake mm -hmm. um that like 
it makes total sense that he would snap to attention as soon as Jake is like, yo, you need to figure your shit out right this fucking second. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also the, uh, it's not really an in-between. It's more of like on a third act, on a second axis um, Mm. of what his mother taught him and what Jake reminds him of. Mm. Of like, Remember, you you don't have a choice of what happens to you, but you have a choice in the way that you react to things. Um, mm-hmm. And you can either uh, kind of react with this sadness and guilt and self pity, or you can take you can try to look at things from this comedic angle. And it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be one of the hardest things you ever do. But if you can look at it from that angle. Um, you'll be better for it. Um, and I think, I think it's really poignant that it is what his mom taught him. Yeah. That is like how he ends up kind of not dealing with it. He doesn't really deal with it, but like reminding himself of that in order mm-hmm. to continue to be able to function, um, to come out of yeah. this crisis specifically. Um, I think it's, like it's it, good. like a reminder. Like this mm-hmm. is the way you've always done it. Remember, mm-hmm. like cool. I got you out of this hole. Now get back on your bike. Like Jake respects the way everybody deals with things, mm-hmm. and doesn't like when it's working for them. He doesn't question it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what do you need to get to the point where you work? Okay, mm-hmm. I will help you, and then I'll remind you of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Jake knows intimately how everyone on his team ticks. And yeah. he he knows best how to deal with all of them in life or death situations. Yeah. And, like, how how specifically he needs to manipulate them to get them to do what needs to be done. Or what to do what he thinks needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and it is horrifying. Mm-hmm. But extremely interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, shall we do our ending questions? Yayas. All right. Oh, did we uh, have any questions? I did see some discussion points got dropped. Are they more about Visser? They're more about Visser. Uh, okay. Visser is the one know. that draws I, attention. I don't click on the spoiler tags. Mm-hmm. Yes, I appreciate you. Um, I have. I am such a brave soldier. <laughs> Where's my medal? No. <laughs> anyway, possible rankings as in out of 10. Uh, plot. Together, it comes down to like a six-ish, maybe a mm-hmm. seven. It doesn't annoy me in the way some do. And I think I actually enjoyed it more the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I was to look at each sort of thread, mm-hmm. uh, it maybe be more like a, an eight. Yeah. So. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't quite mesh well enough to work together like it should. But the individual pieces of the plot are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, characterization. Um, pretty high. Just because I don't yeah. like all the things that happen doesn't mean it's bad characterization. It just means mm-hmm. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Tobias, I think. But I appreciate we yeah. also just got a book from his perspective. But I always like Tobias, Marco interplay. And we just see like a brief thing of Marco being kind of a dick yeah. to Tobias. And like, I don't like when that happens. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of time he speaks very compassionately about Tobias. And while they make jokes together... Mm-hmm. He makes he winds up Rachel. That's what they do. But like picking on Tobias feels like punching down almost. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't Marco's style. Yeah. So, but for the most part, pretty high. Like I like the little bits of Rachel. I like the fact that Rachel cries at weddings, uh, <laughs> and he's just like, "I want to be in a grizzly bear morpher." <laughs> like it felt like a very real person. Yes. Um, and I like getting to see like Rachel from Marco's perspective can always be a dicey one, mm-hmm. depending on how much the person riding him at any given time wants to be gross. Mm-hmm. So uh, Cassie is incredible in this book. Yeah, um, she is. Marco is super interesting, um, and Jake, for all that I don't like it, is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe like eight-ish, nine. Um, mm-hmm. Mixed feelings about the axe stuff. But when yeah. it's good, it's great. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wish we had more of Jake and Marco. Uh, mm. But I think it makes sense, considering the last Marco book we had, when you, if you view it through mm. that lens of, I can't take this to Jake, because yeah. maybe then I'll start blaming Jake. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, if he is keeping his distance from Jake, like that's an intentional thing. And also like that fear of being vulnerable with Jake. Mm-hmm. And of being so. taken out of the action. Yeah. Um like Jake can't know that I have these weaknesses because then he won't let me participate. Yeah. Uh, enjoyability slash satisfaction. As I did, I did enjoy it more the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, seven. Yeah, like, I was going seven. The elements of it are really good and strong, but as a whole, just fell short. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah what was mm-hmm. your favorite part hmm. in isolation some of the stuff at the banquet is hilarious and <laughs> i do like when they get to be funny mm-hmm. um but i think for like for the mix of like good character like that marco coming home and mm-hmm. thinking something really bad's happened and just like it's so wonderfully illustrative of him as a person and what mm-hmm. the books try to do with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say though, that cliffhanger ending is ballsy. Like, <laughs> yeah. if I had read that not knowing when a book was coming, I there would definitely be some screaming. 
<laughs> also, uh, the description of talking about getting to harass Tenon as Euclid is <laughs> yeah, 10 out of 10. Would yes. read in isolation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good shit. Uh, I think my favorite might be the conversation he has with his dad about his dad potentially asking Nora to marry him. Mm. Uh, it is. It hurts me, and I like it. <laughs> 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 Moving right along. <laughs> I'm not kink shaming, I'm kink asking why. <laughs> Alright, you don't you don't get to tell you're writing the one fic with me. Uh-huh. What's your point? <laughs> you know yeah, why. I don't see a conflict of interest here. Uh, <laughs> did, did anything any... surprise you? I don't think so. Like nothing really made me that how dumb that plan was, I guess. <laughs> um But no, I thought it goes hard this place, this book. Mm-hmm, and I suppose mm-hmm. for all it has the very funny bits like there's a brutalness to whoever tenants yerk is mm-hmm. the it felt like a very grounded cruelty like compared yeah. to like Vista 3's like bond villain type showboating yeah. mm-hmm. just the casual quiet cruelty of wanting to squeeze the life out of something yeah and enjoying mm-hmm. yourself in the process yeah i think cuz it's a very um it's not hard to imagine seeing that kind of cruelty i guess it feels very so I want to say human. That's yeah, but yeah. It feels real. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. what about you? Aside from the events not being as much, having as much overlap with this as you thought, did anything uh, catch you off guard on the reread? I don't think so. Um, I didn't remember very much of this book at all. Uh, mm. There were a few things that, like, as I was reading it, I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's where this is." Like the the axe sitting on Marco's lap, uh, and um, the two of them acting as busboys, and it being just a huge comedy of errors. Um, you know, it just occurred to me. What's that? Because I was just thinking, you know what this book needed? Mm-hmm. Marco driving. <laughs> but then it occurs to me when before they get to the kitchen, mm-hmm. they are in Roachmorph racing along the floor and then up the ceiling and they do make the comparison to driving to being in a jaguar and marco (laughs) is the one that falls off the ceiling because it turns out roaches can't run on ceilings (laughs) so we kind of got the vibe of marco's driving (laughs) without there being driving Uh uh-huh uh-huh i love this how this kid can't drive (sighs) well he well can slash can't drive um all right. You were partway through a point. Of has has it been lost to the ether or can you remember what it was? No. It's I there wasn't really anything that surprised me. Okay. Uh any parts that don't didn't make sense or didn't understand? 
I don't think so. I kind of want to know more about this yerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, who Visa 3 appears to kind of vibe with. Yeah. Because this yerk didn't seem scared of Visa 3. Yeah. It's like, hmm, who are they? Yeah. What's their deal? He seems very much to be like a very good little soldier kind of deal for the York Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the, like a golden child almost. Like, this is what a York should be. Uh, uh, I, I, I blame the fact that there's a lot of Ewan McGregor on my Tumblr dashboard right now. Um, but thinking about like, uh, his character in the amounts of the glorious emancipation of Harley Quinn. Um, mm-hmm. And his side guy, who like is really violent too, and likes to those two. That vibe. It's got a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and do you think it's essential animorphs reading? I don't think you necessarily, unless you're a Marco fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I think like somebody could give you the cliff notes because there's so little in the way of actual plot here yeah but like this is the one where peter gets married mm-hmm. and marco is gnarring about it and then his mom calls at the end of it yeah you don't you don't you need to know what happens in this book but you don't need to read it exactly that thank you that was i was yeah. trying to work out how to say that and then you just said it that's exactly mm-hmm. it yeah uh like it's it's good um mm. and i think it does some interesting things and there's a lot of humor that makes it a fun read um yeah but as long as you know like the high points of the plot you don't necessarily ne- need to read it all righty all right so cool. the next one is Visser. The next one is Visser. Get ready for a long one. Um, the book itself is not very long. I, it's shorter than the Andalite Chronicles. It's about the same length as the Horpizier Chronicles. Um, but it there's a lot in it. We learn a lot about the Yerks. We learn a lot about the start of the Yerk invasion of Earth. Um, mm-hmm. And it... Uh, I can't wait. It's it's gonna be very good. Um, Hell yeah! Yep. All right. Uh, my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at red t- at no no. You can't find them That's there. You. That's me. <laughs> you can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose. You can find their home podcast, Follow the Leader, at FDLcast on Twitter. Uh, you can also catch them on the Animorphs inspired actual play podcast that we do together. Dumb kids playing hero. You can catch dumb kids playing hero wherever you get your podcasts or, uh, at DKPH pod on Twitter. And my co-host continues to be Danielle. You can find them most places on the internet at Red Tailed Hawk 90, including the games they have written, uh, at Red Tailed Hawk 90.itch.io. Their home podcast is The Room Where It Happened. You can find it on Twitter at RoomWarePod. They are getting underway in their third season, Elder County, Tennessee. If you like your urban fantasy with a Appalachian and Eldritch twist, go check it out. There's uh, fun things happening. <laughs> uh, it's a good show. Yeah. All right. Shall we do All a right. clap? Let us indeed clap. Clap.
20? 20. 